Hi, and welcome to the NDRC podcast, where we speak with entrepreneurs and investors from right across the startup ecosystem. In this episode, we hear from Aileen Carvel of Skimp and Brendan Rice of Synoptica. Not long ago, we sat down with both Aileen and Brendan in front of a room of founders to discuss their journey towards starting up. NDRC's David Scannell opens by noting Aileen's history of applying for investment from NDRC. Skimp is a centralized digital wholesale platform, enabling fashion showrooms to introduce, connect and transact wholesale orders between their ready-to-wear fashion designer clients and high-end global retailers. So, uh, great to be here, share the story. Um, so I came out of industry with something that I wanted to solve. However, when you start to move into tech, you don't really believe kind of in yourself, uh, if you're able to actually tackle it and do the best with the problem. So in my attempt to get into NDRC, which really was something I wanted to do, it was an absolute goal. I kind of felt this was definitely the best place for me to get this idea that was definitely in there, but trying to pull it out was just so difficult. That was my biggest challenge. Um, I decided to pivot and skirt around the problem that I wanted to go after, presenting ideas that I was interested in but never really getting to the core of what it was I wanted to do. The panel, when you get to pitch here, really challenge you and and ultimately what they want is honesty and sincerity that you're really going to tackle something that you know is is something that you're going to be able to you're going to be able to achieve uh, with the right tools and, and toolbox. So I definitely didn't have the, the the straight line here, but once I got in, I knew I was in the right place. We'd already done um, New Frontiers and. Um, Enterprise Ireland had already started to invest in us, but we were—we had really, with all of those fails, we had really got our groove right and our pitch, and we understood exactly what we were trying to tackle. So, uh, on the uh, on the uh, launch pad, we were already—we'd already started to build build the the platform, um, which was great. We took it to market straight away. We had a great response to it, great traction. And during, it was a great time to actually get onto NDRC because the decompression after going to market, which is London Fashion Week and Paris Fashion Week for us, we came back, we're like, God, we can't do that again. We're not going to be able to scale this way. So we were lucky we were in the program to actually look at the pivot and look at our market. and then kind of pivot and go straight for it. And, and that's what we've been working on. That's what we've been really successful with uh, for the last 12 months. Great. Um, just to go back to, to the, the, the four, four failed pitches or five failed pitches? I think it was five. Five. Well, in on the sixth. Um, oh, no, I got on the fifth. Yeah, on the fifth, right, so four fails. Um, it's, it, it, it can be a struggle for founders to communicate the passion that they have. I mean, you know, to, to come back after being told no, uh, you know, um, that many times, and, and, and but then to know that you had the passion to go and do it. How, how did you approach communicating the passion for fixing the problem successfully? Because you must have been able to do that at the end. 
Finally, I was. Um, look, at I, the, the thing is, the area that I was trying to tackle, uh, you know, it's very much B2B, it's fashion industry. People aren't really necessarily familiar with it. Um, so it was trying to, and also the industry weren't really trying to fix it either, so there wasn't anything written about it. If anybody was trying to research it, there was nothing really there. Um, so I suppose... Uh, listening, I listened to every bit of feedback I got from here and tried to reset, reset, and maybe I'm slower <laughs> to kind of get to the core, but uh, ultimately when we got to it, it felt absolutely right. It was the right time for us. Those other attempts were not the right time for us, so it was the right time. So, yeah, being really clear on your communication. Um, you know, there's so many tools, so many ways to kind of get the message across and you have to like literally put it out there in front of yourself, get other people to listen to what you're trying to say, do they understand it, is it clear? And you know, you just have to keep working on it. I'm working on it all the time, literally every time you go to talk to somebody new, you're tweaking it in some way, so. Okay, great, thanks Adrian. Brendan's business Synoptica has developed packaging sensor technology that aims to improve food safety and reduce waste. At Spinner from Trinity College and the SFI Amber Research Centre, Brendan and his team have developed an oxygen sensor for a type of packaging that fresh chicken fillets or sliced cooked meats come in. After looking around for potential investment opportunities or partnerships, he found NDRC. Yeah, so um, you neatly sort of uh, summarised, I suppose, my introduction to it. I, I got introduced to the project, um, which was being researched in Trinity College for about five years before I got involved. Um, it had been invested in by Enterprise Ireland, uh, and they were looking for a commercial person with experience in the food industry to help to, I suppose, commercialise it. Um, we had taken on a small amount of venture capital money, um, but I suppose the, the attraction of of, um, of, of coming to the NDRC, uh, and I'm going to make an admission now that actually I suppose, frankly, I, I suppose the most attractive thing at the time was the fact that there was a money as part of the accelerator. Um, but to be honest with you, I think that the value that we've gotten out of the accelerator um, far exceeded the, the, the monetary value of the, the support we got. And while that was vital because it gave us the oxygen to continue um, actually the accelerator itself um, was uh, was a, uh, you know, I suppose we didn't know what we didn't know about the accelerator at the time but actually it was pretty fundamental to um, for all the reasons that Angela went through in terms of what they and hopefully we'll come on and talk more about this um, but it really sort of got us back to really the, the essence of what we should be looking at. And this is coming from somebody who was a commercial person in the food industry. Um, I thought, you know, uh, you know, but working out um, the commercials and working out how to start a startup, um, you, you know, that's a whole new uh, thesis, basically. It's a whole new uh, lesson to learn. It's, it's very different, actually, to uh, effectively the commercials in the industry. Now, it helps, obviously, that you understand the industry, but actually, if you're a first-time founder, which I, I am, um, and I certainly was even more so before I started the program, um, it was, uh, it's a whole new lesson to learn. So, And these guys have been really helpful. Uh, with us on our journey. And actually, I can't say very much more because actually I'm really struggling because uh, so much has happened since then 
to, to really be crystal clear about where exactly we were before we started. Um, yeah, maybe just as a follow-on, Brendan, and, and thanks for that. Can, can you talk maybe about um, where you thought you were going to get to with the, 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 the funding? Like, you know, if, if, you're, if you're saying that the, 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 the money was going to provide a, a, a pathway, what, was, what did that look like? Before you, know, before you came in? Yeah, so before we came in, um, I suppose we were looking at it um, as the opportunity to continue the development, but also to keep us alive while we figured out who we were going to sell the technology to. Um, and I think that what we realized very quickly was, and actually what, and this really irks my co-founder, who's the technical guy on the team, uh, that investors really, and customers actually, are not really interested in the tech. Now, for a lot of people in this room, that might be very new news, actually, but um, they're not. They don't care. Uh, what they are care about it for your customer is that it solves a problem that they have. Uh, what our investors are keen about is that there's a market for that. And actually, uh, w when we started, I think we were looking at this as an opportunity to continue the development process, and we did do that. But actually, what was more valuable for us was actually being able to create the story and be able to, more importantly, then prove the thesis around the story that actually there was a market opportunity here and that our tech could go um, uh, towards uh, solving that. Back to Skimp. Here Alien discusses how they look at their customers, how they measure them, reach them and react to them. In an industry such as fashion, reaching people takes on a global requirement almost immediately. Okay, so what we do, we're, <clears throat> um, we look at the point of transaction during London, London Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, New York, Milan during um, kind of the, the wholesale season uh, for luxury fashion. So what we developed initially was a B2B e-commerce which allowed the um, transaction to happen online. Uh, so the physical collection uh, is viewed but we reduced down the time that you need to engage with the physical collection to 15 minutes because these buyers that are travelling from all over the world for four to six days to do their business um, you know, their, their schedules are getting, are shrinking all the every season. So we built that and it was amazing because a lot of buyers who then don't actually travel from Asia, from Australia, from all over the world, uh, were able to complete the orders um, remotely. So we automated a lot of the documentation and we layered on some um, sort of virtual fit models on top of that. So we were, you know, we, this is a problem that I know inside out, this kind of uh, administration, the time that's spent on orders, the time spent with the buyers. So we went in and tried to really reduce that down. Um, meanwhile, the industry is like, you know, almost didn't want to open the back office, which is where we reside, and do all that work, that ugly work. And we're mostly interested in the B2C, so accelerating sales on the shop floor, accelerating the, the visibility of product and luxury product across Instagram and using influencers. And these are all great things. However, if you've stimulated so much growth and product demand, your supply chain is then not able to catch up with, with this uh, stimulated um, product demand. So this is about two years ago, the industry actually paused and realized that they were missing something. And this is, we'd already developed the, the product and software. And as soon as they were ready to address it, we were in a very good position to, to move forward with our supply chain solution. So. 
So, I mean, is, is, is that a persistence and timing? It sort of is, is, is the... Yes, well, you know, when you know the industry inside out, and it's a great industry to work in, um, there's a, a huge amount of, you know, donkey work involved. Like, it really is. It's, it's not as glamorous as people make it out to be, especially if you're working in that back office. But it, it's, it's a great, it's a massive industry to work in, and it takes you to a lot of far-flung places, and you meet lots of amazing uh, people. But um, at that time, I suppose we knew kind of the different stages of the supply chain very well. You know, the enterprise resource planning, when the orders come through and you start production manufacturing, and, and that manufacturing happens in you know, Portugal, Italy, that's where luxury is made. Uh, then you've got the process of uh, dis, you know, dispatch and the documentation around that. So we try, what we did, we joined a lot of dots and did a huge amount of work, not just solving the point of transaction, but going back into the ERP and making it really easy for the buyers to integrate the, the documents that we were generating into their um, stock and inventory management systems. So we ended up doing a lot more than we wanted to. But since then, we're going to partner with, uh, we're starting uh, a massive program in Milan on, on Monday for the next four months. And that's with Accenture and Prada. So we're going to be piloting our, our our software with uh, some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, a piece that we introduced, I suppose, looking at, it was timing, and you're constantly going back to the customer, whether they're a, a customer that's using your product or a potential customer. And looking, I suppose, the one big thing that I'd like to tell you about is resistance and why they may not want to use not just your software, but any software, and that has been, I suppose, the main issue in B2B, the kind of fashion industry. And with that resistance, we found opportunity. It was hard initially trying to sell something, oh, we can do this, we can do that, but we ended up introducing a whole kind of new and exciting uh, way to, to bring you know, the, the transaction, that wholesale transaction back into the physical showroom where so much money is spent on that experience for the buyer who's going to sort of promote your goods in Barney's New York, Saks Fifth Avenue, Harrods, whatever the case may be. So we've learned, learned um, a whole kind of voice AI um, piece on top of that. So it's a much more immersive um, and easier way to, to complete the wholesale order coupled with our e-commerce. Thanks, thanks, Aileen. I, th I think that's a, that's a really nice example of the, the one of the slides, the images that Angela had put up earlier on, where there's the sort of the idea of, you know, overnight success, but there's such a meandering route. Um, did you doubt anywhere along the way, and, and, and how did you overcome that? Um, I don't think I doubted it because we knew nobody, there were, we have competitors out there. We're probably the only platform that comes from a, a real wholesale, fashion luxury wholesale background. And the team are all of my former co colleagues from John Russia and Simone Russia. So we've got a really amazing, exciting team. Um, but it's really getting all the dots to join up at the same time. and you know, being open to being wrong about something, is this not a better way to do it? But um, it definitely, it's persistence, you have to be stubborn, you have to keep going, if you really believe in it, and look at it, it's paying off. <laughs> Great, thanks Aileen. 
And finally back to Brendan, who, unlike many founders, was faced with the challenge of commercialising deep university-based research. His learnings to date are vast. Uh, Brendan, I, I know that the technology aspect of, of Synoptica is, is, you know, based on you know deep original research coming from the from, 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 from the third level institutes. So, so maybe to focus more on the commercialization aspect of, 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 of the business, the, the learning that you had, uh, and, and and you've been that commercial expert in the industry. But you said that being a startup or, or a founder for the first time. Was it was a big learning? So within that, I mean, like you've got an understanding of the customer, the revenue model, the go-to-market strategy, the market. Which which aspect of those did you find most challenging to to, to come to terms with or to, to make progress against? Um, so so just I suppose briefly to explain what we've created uh, is a, a sensor for food packaging um, that can identify um, oxygen levels within the pack and the, and the purpose of that really is to make sure that the um, the oxygen level is correct in the pack because if it's not the food will go off it will spoil and secondly it's a food safety hazard um, so the logical place to start with that from somebody who's worked in the food industry is to go and talk to food manufacturers and uh, have a conversation with them about it and all the rest of it. And I just want to pick up on the tr train from, from, from Wendy, which was that um, the biggest challenge that we had was that I started in March. By July, I had five customers, or well, I'd call them customers, but companies who were engaging with us around We didn't technology. call them customers, Brendan. <laughs> Sorry? We didn't call them customers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, by September, by the time we got onto the program, I had one left. Uh, so basically they had fallen away for various different reasons, uh, ultimately because there was no real uh, traction there, they either didn't get it or they didn't, uh, the problem wasn't real to them. So I suppose the, 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 what the, 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 the challenge for us at that point then was, and, and you know, from a, from a development perspective was, well, who, do we, who is the customer? And actually, we managed to find more, and some of them came to us, uh, but we went to them. Uh, but then it was actually the big question that we were asked, and, and the fundamental questions, so as part of the program, I'm sure most people in, in the room know this, you start with a boot camp for a week. Um, we are still literally on a weekly basis, weekly basis grappling with the questions that were posed to us in that, uh, that five days, which is, first of all, basically, who is, what do you do? You know, that sounds a very simple question. I mean, of course, we, this is what we do. You know, but actually, it's not actually. And the more that you understand that, and the more you can explain that, the better it is for you. But the better it is for your customers, for your investors. Um, so we went back to that, and actually, what we found in in a really deep, um, I suppose, uh, assessment of that was actually the problem doesn't the, the the food manufacturers don't have the problem. The problem is food wastage, and the problem that the people who have that problem mainly is the retailers. Um, most people in the, in the room will have heard the statistic that the third of all food produced is wasted. And we know that um, a significant proportion of the, the, the food that uh, we will apply our sensor to um, basically goes off on the shelf before the use-by date. Now, there's two issues with that. Firstly, the retailers lose a massive amount of revenue. And we calculated for Tesco, who made 1.8 billion uh, in 2018 profit, we could add 4% onto their bottom line by solving the problem that we're trying to address. So when we understood that more deeply, we then say, actually, do you know what? We need to change our focus here and start talking to retailers. 
the other thing that we learned at the boot camp was to lean into the punch. Now, it's maybe a bit of a cliche amongst people who've gone through the program, but actually, um, we knew, I suppose, that, that the retailers were important in the scheme of things. But actually, they're very notoriously, anybody who knows anything about retailers will know they're notoriously difficult to get into. I worked as a national account manager dealing with some of the biggest retailers in the UK, and even as being their one, number one supplier, it was difficult to get in to a buyer to have a meeting with them uh, on, a, on a regular basis. So from a, a nowhere, nobody startup trying to get in and talk to these people is nigh and impossible. Um, but that became the task, and that is now how we're starting to get some traction. Um, so hopefully that sort of uh, helps to explain a bit. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Brendan.